This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. One of the most familiar stories in the Old Testament is that of the Feast of Belshazzar, the wicked ruler who blasphemed God by bringing in the vessels which had been taken from the temple during the destruction of Jerusalem, and then using these vessels in his wild party in which he celebrated the failure, supposedly, of Jeremiah's prophecy to come true. You remember Jeremiah had predicted that God's people would be in Babylon for 70 years as captives. Then they would be returned to their homeland in Jerusalem. Well, during this feast celebrating Jeremiah's failed prophecy, Belshazzar and his princes saw a frightening, a mysterious handwriting on the wall, which meant that Belshazzar's days were over. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede entered the city and began reigning. You can read about this in Daniel chapter 5. When the Hebrews had been taken captive and been brought to Babylon, some of them were surely put to doing manual labor. But others were evaluated and showed promise of being able to excel in other ways. One of these young men, who had great ability and strong character and a sharp mind, was a man whom the king had renamed Belteshazzar. He had another name, at least another name when he was back at home. But here in Babylon, his name was going to be Belteshazzar. Well, Belteshazzar was sent to school in Babylon. His field of study was the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. That's the first chapter of Daniel's book. His progress was phenomenal reflecting the marks of a true genius. He so distinguished himself that he enjoyed a great favor from the king. He was quickly promoted to a high position. One might think that Belteshazzar was nothing but a joy to the king, but that was not the case, as we shall see. On this special night we are considering, Darius was in his brown palace on his ornate ivory bed, which was overlaid with gold, covered with the very softest wool from the Persian hills, and on top of this were the rarest silks and satins. Still, Darius could not sleep. He would lie down for a while, then get up out of his bed, walk over to the window, which overlooked a beautiful garden. He would listen intently for a moment, then he'd go back to his bed, try to go to sleep, then repeat that process. On and on this went all night long. Now, in order for us to understand why Darius could not sleep, we have to go back and get the whole picture. It was because of this young man named Belteshazzar. When he was taken from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, he began his life in this new palace by taking a strong stand for God and for his own faith, which he had back home. Yet the king had changed this man's name, but he could not change this fellow's convictions or make him forget the name of his God. 
under several kings, Belteshazzar had risen from honor to honor. He now was a man who was too valuable for the empire to lose. And now during the reign of Darius, Belteshazzar had become the prime minister. He had one outstanding fault, however, if you want to call it a fault. This was success. Every successful person has someone snipping at his heels. When a person climbs to the heights of success, he must look down and see those beneath him who could not make it and who look up with jealousy and scorn. Someone said it this way, he who climbs the mountain slope will find the loftiest peaks most clothed in snow. And he who conquers or subdues mankind must look down on the hate of men below. And so Belteshazzar had some enemies, those who had not done so well as he had. So his enemies began to plot his downfall. But the question was, how shall we get him? He could not be accused of dishonesty. Everybody knew how honest he was. He could not be accused of treason. He had a long record of integrity and loyalty to the kings that he had served. Finally, one of his enemies suggested, only way we can get him will be by creating a conflict between his loyalty to his God and loyalty to the king. But here again, they had a problem because Belteshazzar had always been able to be loyal to the God of Israel and at the same time faithful in his service to the king. Finally, in desperation, these evil enemies came upon the idea of tricking the king to sign a royal decree stating that for a period of 30 days, no one should ask a petition or pray to any god or man except the king. If he prays to anyone but the king, he should be made to pay. That was their plan. Ah, this is it. They all agreed. So they drew up the document. They went to the palace to see Darius, to see Darius the king. With foolish flattery and appealing to his pride, these men convinced Darius to sign that decree. There was also a stipulation in it which said that it could not be changed once it was signed under any conditions. And so after they had done their dirty work, then they set up guards to watch the window of Belteshazzar because they knew he had a habit of going to this open window three times every day and praying to the one true God. Of course, he continued that practice. He was caught. He was brought before the king and he was declared guilty as charged. Darius was furious when he realized that he had been trapped, had been tricked. And when he realized that he had no way out but to go through with that decree which he had signed. In fact, he spent the rest of that day trying to figure out some way he could spare this valuable man, Belteshazzar, from the fate that had been decreed for anyone breaking the law. But he had not been able to get around it. And this is why he could not sleep that night. For as the day had ended, Darius was approached by those enemies of Belteshazzar and he was reminded that he must remain true to his own command. 
So as the night began, the king issued the order for Belteshazzar to be arrested, and the punishment was ordered to be carried out. Belteshazzar was taken to the place where half-starved lions were kept, and he was cruelly thrown in there with them. In a nearby house in Babylon, there was a family where a little child asked, Mother, what makes the lions roar so loudly tonight? The Babylonian mother clapped her child to her heart and she said, It's because the lions have not been fed for three days now. The lions are very hungry, dear. That's why they roar so loud. All through that day, those who lived within the hearing of the den of lions had been hearing those savage beasts roar, angry with their hunger. The lions had paced restlessly up and down in their den, lashing themselves with their tails, sometimes jumping up to try to escape from their enclosure, but to no avail. At other times, they would let out a loud roar which could be heard half a mile from their den. But now it was night. There's a strange, eerie sort of silence which has come. The lions are no longer roaring. The little child asks, Mother, where are the lions now? I don't hear them roaring anymore. No, my child, the mother answers. The lions have been fed now. That's why they don't roar. They're probably asleep. Yes, the lions were quiet. They no longer were shaking the earth with their roaring, but it was not because they had eaten food. When food was offered to them, they had refused to eat. It was the first time ever that the lions had refused to eat. But back in his palace, Darius was continuing to pace the floor, angry with himself for allowing himself to be tricked into losing this valuable man, Belteshazzar. But even more, he was sick to his heart when he thought of the fate which this man had met with that night, all because he, the king, had signed some stupid decree that he had not thought through before he signed it. So when the first indication of daylight came over the eastern horizon, Darius rushed out of his chamber descended the marble stairway of the palace, made his way to the enclosure where the lions were kept. And just as today someone, uh, sometimes a loved one, will speak to a family member who's passed away, Darius cried out from behind the sealed door and said, O servant of the living God, was your God whom you worship continually able to deliver you from the lions? Of course the king expected no reply. And then to the amazement of the king, he heard a voice from within. It was, was that a talking lion? The voice said, your majesty, live forever. It was Belteshazzar, or as we know him better by his Hebrew name, it was Daniel. Then Daniel explained, my God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they can't touch me. For I am innocent before God, nor, sir, have I wronged you. In verses 23 through 25 of chapter 6 of Daniel, we read that the king was beside himself with joy 
And he ordered Daniel to be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him because he believed in his God. Then the king issued a command to bring those evil men who had accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible says that the lions leaped on those men and tore them apart before they even hit the bottom of the den. And that's the story. True story. There's several lessons that we might learn from this amazing story of Daniel and his night with the wild beasts. The first truth, everybody does not do it. We often refer to our young people who ask why they are not allowed to do certain things and their parents still refuse. Young folks reply sometimes, but mother, everybody does it. But this line of thinking is not confined to the youth. There are also older people who base their actions or attitudes upon what they believe everybody else is doing. If we really knew the truth, the truth is everybody is not doing it. Daniel and his friends were almost forced to eat the rich food of the king, which was placed before them, and to drink his wine. But they had received good training in their earlier years, and they knew that the law of Moses would not allow them to eat and drink such. Daniel and his friends might well have concluded, well, now let's look at this from another way. Jerusalem has fallen. God promised to be with us, but apparently he was not with us back then. Maybe we're on the wrong side. Maybe there's no God. If there is, then God was not able to protect us back then when our city fell. We were carried away as slaves, as captives. Why, why should we serve God here in this foreign land? Here we are, captives in Babylon. Here's where our future is, our life, our destiny, our whole career. If we refuse the food which is set before us, we may offend the king. After all, the main thing is not what you eat or drink, it's what's in your heart. While we're in Babylon, we may as well do as the Babylonians do. Well, they could have reasoned that way, but this was not what Daniel and his friends said. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. And God honored that spirit of faithfulness to his convictions. A second observation, faithfulness to convictions wins respect. Daniel ran a great risk in staying true to his faith. This was true not only in regards to eating in the king's meat and drinking the king's wine, but it was also true about Daniel's continuing to pray three times every day, even when it was forbidden to do so. We know now how things turned out, but we must remember that Daniel did not know for sure just how it would all turn out. The result was, that Daniel won the respect of the officers of the court and the king himself. People still pretend to laugh and sneer at the one who stands firm for convictions, but in their hearts, they always respect such a person. Daniel was won the greatest respect from King Darius. It's quite remarkable that this great king should be troubled in his heart 
his mind over this one man, Belteshazzar, or Daniel as we know him. In his vast empire, what was just one man? It was well within the power of the king to order the execution of any one of his subjects in any part of the world. And no doubt he had often done just that. And then sat down to a comfortable banquet before he went to his room for a restful night of sleep. But on this occasion, Darius had no sleep, no rest, no peace in his heart. He knew that he had delivered to death a man of God, a righteous man. This is why the king was up at the crack of dawn to check on the man whom he had condemned to death in the den of lions. Those who remain faithful to their convictions under God can rest assured that you have the respect of other people, even though they may try to ridicule, make fun of you, to bring you down to where they are, yet they will have to respect you. One further observation before we stop today. That is that the lions, and put that word lions in quotation mark, the lions are still with us today. Now Christians today are not thrown to the lions, literally, as we usually think of them being sacrificed in the early days of the church. But in a symbolic way, the lions, our foes, are still with us today. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we read, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. My dear friends, we have our own private battles, our obstacles, our trials, difficulties, temptations that we must overcome. There are things that we face every day which will put our faith to the test to see if we will stand by our convictions or whether we will forsake our convictions. And sad to say, we who live in beloved America will be facing more and more in the future, it seems, days of ridicule because we stand for Christian convictions. There are those who are out to make fun of us, to make laws that will change our convictions, but it does not have to be. We can be like Daniel and be firm and true to the Lord. When I was a little boy, we used to sing a song, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. Oh God, whatever comes our way, whatever our situation is, in America or even in some other land, help us, we pray, Father, to be true and to know that eventually your way is going to win. We may not see it in our lifetime, but when we're on your side, we know we're on the side of Jesus Christ who has already won the victory. May that wonderful truth Give us reassurance in our own situation wherever we are today. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, through whom we do have daily victory. In his name we pray. Amen.